No, not again with the duct tape. A thousand and one uses for duct tape. Welcome to We All Pod Down Here. I'm Brittany. And I'm Dan. And the movie we are going to talk about today is Better Watch Out from 2016. So this is a movie that has Ashley, a babysitter, just babysitting a regular 12-year-old kid. His name is Luke. But suddenly there is an intruder and he is after them. But who is after them, and is everything as it seems? We will find out. That we will. So this is directed by Chris Peckover, who is also the writer, along with Zach Kahn. For our cast, we have Ashley, who is played by Olivia Dayong. She was in Hiding and The Society. We have Luke Lerner, who is played by Levi Miller. I say brilliantly played by Levi Miller. He was in A Wrinkle in Time, the 2018 Disney version. Not very good. Don't recommend that. We have Garrett, played by Ed Oxenbolt, and he was in the Disney movie Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day, Wildlife, and The Visit. We have Ricky, who was played by Alex Migas, and we have Jeremy, who's played by Decree Montgomery. And he is famous for playing Billy Hargrove in Stranger Things. Really great character. We have Deandra Lerner, who is played by Virginia Madsen. She's in a lot of stuff. Really long career. She's most known for playing Helen in the original Candyman. She was in the 1984 version of Dune. And for our Star Trek reference of the day, she was on Star Trek Voyager as Kellen in the episode Unforgettable. And last but absolutely not least, we have Robert Lerner, who's played by Patrick Warburton. And he was in The Tick. And of course, he was David Putty in Seinfeld. And there go, here is my Seinfeld reference. And, uh, you know, gotta support the team. <laughs> and of course, we can't forget he was Kronk. He was Kronk. He's in a lot of great stuff. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, he's in Soren. Mm-hmm. Nice job, pal. <laughs> nice job, pal. All right. So, as usual, there will be spoilers. This is a movie you really don't want spoiled. So, if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend you stop listening and go watch it. It's on Prime, I believe, through Shutter, or is it just on Prime right I believe it's just on Prime included with Prime. So, if you have Prime, check it out. It should be there. Yeah. So, Highly recommend. Again, this is, we really enjoyed this, but it's got a lot of twists and turns. So we're going to get into it. But again, if you haven't seen it, stop now. Go watch it. Do yourself a favor. Go watch it. It's great. So we're going to do something a little different today. Usually we go into a more detailed plot synopsis. What we're going to try to do today is have just more casual conversation about this, mainly just because of the fact that I think there's just so many twists and turns. I think it's more fun to just kind of talk about it rather than go into a detailed plot of it. Yeah, there's some pretty cool facts about this movie. So this movie was shot in Sydney, Australia. It initially, they were going to shoot it in the U.S., but there was a producer who offered them more money to shoot it in Australia. So that's why they decided to shoot it in Australia, which is cool. The original title was Safe Neighborhood. Interesting. Kind of plain, I'd say. I think they made a good decision with Better Watch Out. I, well, I wonder if it was not originally Christmas themed or something like in the very early scripts of it, maybe. That's possible. I think the Christmas theming, I think, puts this movie over the top. Yeah. 
Especially because there's so many references that make it so similar to Home Alone. Yeah, for sure. But out of all the actors in this also, Patrick Warburton and Virginia Madsen are the only actors that are not Australian. Everybody else is Australian and is doing American accents perfectly because our accents are boring and dull. It's like, as an American, it's really hard to figure out how difficult doing an American accent would be if, if you're from another place. It seems like it would be easier. Like most people who try to do an English accent or an Australian accent who live here don't really do that great of a job of it. But if you reverse it, there are many instances in film where you're just like, what? It still threw me through quite the loop. Like the first time I heard Andrew Lincoln not as Rick Grimes because I'd never seen him in anything before that and he does that great perfect southern accent and then all of a sudden I see him and he's very British and proper and I'm like what happened? I want to hear him say Carl in in his British accent. (laughs) We haven't heard that yet but I really want to hear Carl. Another one that threw a lot of people and it threw both of us for very different reasons was Hugh Laurie. Now with Hugh Laurie I am very used to him in British shows. i watched so many British shows, especially Black Adder. He was a very prominent part of all the Black Adder series, and I was very used to him in there. And he had a very, very goofy English accent. He was very over-the-top goofy. And then you see him in House, and he's real, real gruff kind of American accent. And it really threw me, because it, it made me like twitch a little bit. <laughs> and I think for you, it was the opposite. Yeah, I hadn't actually seen him in anything British and didn't realize for the longest time that he was British because I started watching House when I was younger and then I was all of a sudden like, what do you mean Hugh Laurie's British? Madness! So anyway, um, so for the role of Ashley in this, originally Selena Gomez was actually interested in playing her but decided to focus on her music. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think she would have done good with it, but I feel like that Olivia de Jong did so well with it that I couldn't imagine anyone else as it. Yeah, I think Olivia de Jong owned this role. Like, absolutely owned it. So, I, I can't picture Selena Gomez doing this. No. It's kind of like you have a lot of different shows or movies where, oh, this other person was up for the role. But the other person who did it ended up being so iconic that you can't possibly imagine anybody else. Yeah, for sure. And as we mentioned earlier, there's the trailer gives a really big Home Alone vibe. And it really throws you from what actually is happening. It really puts it off as, okay, there's a home invasion, babysitter, kids, they're going to try to defend the house. That's what it seems like from the trailer. And what's funny is you and I went into this totally blind. Like I saw someone on a Facebook group was talking about it, saying how they went into it expecting it to be this real fun movie, and then they had, like, nightmares for days. And I was like, oh, man, I guess it's never great. I didn't have nightmares today. I thought it was a real fun movie. But I could see how it could freak someone out, especially if you had young kids. If you're really scared of a home invasion or if you simply have kids that you just don't fucking trust, then I can see how this could really freak you out. For me, this was just a really fun ride, and it didn't freak me out in any way whatsoever. Yeah, but so since we went into it totally blind, we decided to watch the trailer first because I remember you weren't 100% sure because you're like, well, if this really freaks someone out, what if it's like so gory to the point that it's like not fun? Yeah, and just stupid. Yeah, and I was like, well, let's watch the trailer and see what we think. We watched the trailer and I was like, no, I think this could be fun. Like, let's go to go. And man, I'm glad we did. Oh, yeah. Immediately when we finished the trailer, I was all in. 
Like, well, this looks fun. Let's watch this now. And even one of, like, the reviews, I think, commented saying it was, like, Home Alone meets The Strangers. And for me, I was like, well, The Strangers kind of freaked me out. Home Alone was a lot of fun. Combo could be fun, but it feels like as soon as we started watching, my first thought when things started going south and, you know, we had the quote-unquote home invader in there, I was like, I bet this is all orchestrated by this kid. That's going to be the twist. And I was like, this is going to be okay, but I think I've got it figured out. And then it turns out that is the case, but you find out incredibly early. And I'm sitting there being like, okay, well, wait, we know this is the twist now, but we got a lot of movie left. What the hell is going on? What's going to happen? I think the the brilliance of it was that you didn't know how deep this kid had this planned out. Luke had this planned out, like, every single detail. It was incredible how much he planned this out. And it slowly reveals that throughout the whole movie, how detailed he planned this out. And that's like, oh, crap, he planned that out. Does this happen, Stance, or did he actually intend this to happen? There's a lot of moments like that. Why am I now thinking of the Sandlot when the one guy, remember, he pretends to drown himself and then goes to get CPR from the lifeguard and mm-hmm. kisses her? And I remember, the I think, the one guy says to him, he's like, he's like, did you plan that? And he's like, of course I planned that. I've been planning it for years. He's like, you guys, he knew what he was doing. He planned that. <laughs> so that's how I see Luke now. Is just let's watch it. Like, dude, he planned that. He absolutely did plan that. He planned it all. And like we were mentioning, all the Home Alone references are really cool. For instance, the paint can. Everyone remembers from Home Alone where Kevin McAllister used the paint can to knock out the one robber. I forget which one it was. I think he got both of them, actually. Yeah, he did. You're, I think you're right. He did eventually get both of them. And Luke and Garrett debate whether the paint can would smash somebody's face or just knock somebody back and knock them over like in Home Alone. And one of the victims, who was Ricky, Ashley's boyfriend, they Luke decides to test it out. Garrett isn't really like, no, 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 this is crazy. You could kill him. No, oh, let's try it out. Yeah, and the th- and he's sitting there. He's like, no, dude, no, dude. He's like, you, you're right, you're right. This, this is crazy. Stop this. And I feel like th- I felt bad for Garrett the whole time because I was like, this poor kid. I feel like was kind of like the outcast kid that like latched on to Luke and that's like his only friend. And his friend's a goddamn sociopath, and he doesn't even realize it, which is kind of some of the horror of it because most people that are sociopaths are really fucking good at hiding it. Mm-hmm. Like you never, like you figured out years later and you're like, oh my God. Sociopaths are also master manipulators. Yeah. And this kid is a master manipulator. I mean, they're supposed to be 12 year old kids. So to be able to be that level of manipulator, you are one hell of a sociopath. Because originally I think Garrett was all for like the whole, oh, let's pretend there's a home invasion, you know, and then you can pretend to save her and, you know, I could see a 12-year-old kid going, on with the, going along with a plan like that. That doesn't seem that far-fetched and seems like a pretty dumb thing to do, but 12-year-old boys are dumb, so. Very much so. That's the kind of thing a 12-year-old boy would do. You know, the older babysitter getting all these fantasies about the babysitter. And then, like, oh, well, maybe I'll, be, I'll plan something. Well, I'll be the hero and save the day, and she's going to fall swooning in my arms. And never would ever happen that way. But that was their idiotic plan it seemed like but it went much more deeper and much more disturbing than that yeah so they chuck the paint can and of course it smashes his face 
with an interesting effect when they showed it was like yellow paint. Yeah, it was and yellow. And then the paint. blood's going down it. Like well, when you mix yellow and red, you get orange. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it kind of looked like ketchup and mustard. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, how about this? Ketchup and mustard in the same bottle. Oh, that sounds interesting, sir. Seinfeld reference number two. Boy. And Luke, in this point, was so happy that he was right. He's like, I was right. His head just exploded. Yeah, and I think this is where you really, really are like, oh, no, this this has gone horribly wrong. Like, now you've literally killed someone. It was bad enough when you were tying up your babysitter. That felt like a, a dumb 12-year-old panic moment. You know, like, he's going to get in trouble, he panics. You know, that, that's kind of how it felt. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, I could see this. You're panicking. You don't know what to do. You tie up your babysitter, you know, in the dumb panic moment. But no. And I think that's where, what Garrett was thinking. It was like, oh, gosh, we're just going to get, we're going to go to jail. We're going to get in trouble. And, like, he's worried. And all they've done is duct tape her at this point mm-hmm. or, or at previous point. And then now it's escalated to murder. Yeah. Because at that point, Luke had pushed her down the stairs and they tied her up. Now, guy's dead. And Luke is just happy that, oh, I was right. And he's laughing and... Have yeah, a good old time. Ashley's even like, why are you laughing? And she's like threatening to shoot him. And then this is where we figure out this gun that he's been threatening her with the whole time is not loaded. And her, it's so creepy. He's like, a good parent always stores the bullets separate. <laughs> and just like. He says it's so straight faced. That's what this kid is going places. Levi Miller is utterly brilliant in this. When he played this, he was 14 years old mm-hmm. when this was filmed. And there aren't a lot of 14-year-olds that are going to be able to play the part of a manipulative sociopath right to a T like he does. Like, he was really believable. And I think that's one of the things in this movie that could be really scary. This kid is a master manipulator, and he's a total sociopath, and he's really good at it. I mean, he's got his friend duped. He's got his parents totally duped. Like, at the very beginning of the movie, they, what they're going through seems like just a very ordinary, happy family. You know, joking around with mom and dad, stuff like that. Joking around with his friend, you know, just normal kids, very ordinary. And this kid is anything but ordinary. Yeah. He's got the wool over everybody's eyes. And that is the true craziness of a sociopath. Yeah, Absolutely. So back to our Home Alone references, the other thing that I realized was that this is supposed to be set in Chicago, which, of course, every good Christmas movie is set in Chicago along with Home Alone. We have Christmas Vacation. Of course, which me personally is my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Yeah, it has to be. If it's not my favorite, it's like top five, but I'd have to really think about it, but I'm pretty sure it's my favorite. I mean, there's a lot of great ones, but like for pure Christmas movie, I don't think anything really tops it for me. Yeah. But Clark Griswold freaking out and Cousin Eddie, brilliant. Sure, it was full. So the other thing that's kind of funny is that there's also a point where, this is after Ricky is dead, that some carolers come to the door and Ashley's almost gotten away. Like she's gotten out of the chair she was duct taped to. She'd gotten a piece of glass and she's like bolting, trying to leave and they catch her, of course. And then the carolers are at the door and she's trying to like yell for help and can't hear her. When the caroler showed up, she was tied up or a, a second time. Yeah, well, the thing is, oh, that's right. She was tied up, but she was and she was tied up with Christmas lights. Remember? Yep, which was, and the, well, the Christmas lights were on, weren't they? They were on, yeah. <laughs> so she's just sitting there like a little fucking Christmas tree laying in the chair. And, uh, and then there's Ricky sitting there like a piece of human abstract art. Yep. 
And poor Garrett's just laying on the couch, like, out of it. Because he's also been given, like, Oxy and stuff, which has kind of, I'm sure, made him a little more complacent in all of this. Yeah, he's zonked out on Oxycontin and just kind of gone. Yeah. And when when Luke says to the carolers, hope the cocoa keeps you guys warm, it's just so, so like, sickeningly sweet. And there's, like, there's a dead guy in the hallway right behind the carolers, just out of vision, and I will She's say- tied up. It's just all this shit happening in there. And he's just sitting there with his his ugly Christmas sweater with this sick smile on his face. And I will say that um, one of the things I really liked about this is the fact that you don't actually see his head explode. Like, that just felt like it was going to be really gross. And I feel like this movie didn't need the gore to be scary. And I think that's kind of what I loved about it was that in a lot of these movies, they'd be like, we're going to make this real scary by making it real bloody and gross. But it's like, this could be a psychological thriller slash horror without the goriness of it. I mean, yeah, you saw the blood and everything, but when you kind of go up through the window, you can see that Ricky's sitting there, but the paint can's like blocking his face. So you can't actually see like what I'm sure is disgusting looking. Exactly. It goes to show you that a lot of times gore is used as a crutch and this is how it should be done. I think because a lot of times gore just covers up for something that sucks. And they don't have a good story to tell, so they're just going to show something really grisly to shock you. This didn't need that because the story was really strong. Yeah, and like, and you can, I've said it before, you can have gore and have a great story, but I feel like the story needs to be the top priority and the gore should be second. Yep, exactly. This hit the balance absolutely perfectly. Yeah, 100%. So, one other thing that I have to, of course, go into is apparently Olivia de Young is afraid of spiders, like terrified of spiders. And she volunteered to let them use a real spider in this. So again, this is also a Home Alone reference. You know, of course, we remember the spider going across one of the robber's faces. Yeah, I think it was crawling across uh, Joe Pesci's face. (laughs) Yeah, because he puts it on a chest and then it like crawls Mm -hmm. up his face. And that is the exact fucking reason I was never allowed to have a spider, like a pet spider as a child. I begged from the time I was in first grade to have a pet tarantula. My mom was like, absolutely not. Because <laughs> and, of Home Alone? Yeah, she told me, she was like, all I could see was that spider was going to be crawling on my face. I was going to wake up in the middle of the night with a spider on my face. It was going to get out, and it was going to be on my face. Your and, mom did not want to be the wet bandits. <laughs> no, she did not. So I now have like 60, 70 tarantulas sitting in the office with, or the, the podcasting room slash office with us, and they're hanging out. Well, I was originally really scared of spiders. You had one chili, and I was freaked out by it. But now we have, like you said, 70 spiders, and I'm good. And the funny thing was with chili, as I will never forget, it was one of the first times you came to my house. I looked in Chili's little enclosure, and I was like, huh, where'd my spider go? Because it was while he was still a little sling, so you couldn't really see him very easily because he was brown, the you know soil's brown. And you were like, what? And you just about leaped off the bed. I, you were so freaked out. And I was like, oh, wait, there he is. You're like, no, no. You cannot just say, where is my spider at? It did freak me the hell out. But now if you said that, like, oh, crap, let's go find him and catch him so he doesn't get hurt. Yeah. Well, now I have ones that have, quote, unquote, medically significant venom. So that'd be really bad if they got out. Fuck that. Yep. They're locked up tight. They're fine. Oh, they are. They're in good shape. But yeah, so she volunteered actually to let them use a real spider because the budget they found for CGI was going to actually be pretty immense to just put a CGI spider on her face. So, and it's a short scene, but I can imagine like just a real detailed CGI, not one of like the crappy B 
B-rated horror movie CGI, you know, Sharktopus versus Anaconda Madness. Or they could have just taken, like, a fake spider and dangled it on a piece of wire and just danced it around. Yeah. But, yeah, they used a real spider. They got, you know, and, of course, I'm thinking, I'm like, you're Australian. There's spiders fucking everywhere. You guys got those big huntsmen that fucking gallop. I feel like you're not allowed to be afraid of spiders in Australia. you got to be used to it by now, right? There's so many things in Australia natively, animal-wise, that are just trying to kill you all the time. And they have the scariest look group of spiders that are native to Australia. So, yeah, you think you'd be a little tempered. And it was in multiple scenes, so it was really well done. And I give her a lot of credit, crawling up her arm, crawling on her face. If you're scared of spiders, that's something that can scare you out of your wits. And they said, I think it was the director that said, that all those screams she had are totally legit. Yeah, so she was acting, but not acting, yeah. I think is how he worded it. Uh, but yeah, she was very freaked out, which I can understand. It's like, you're really afraid of something, and then they're like, we're going to put it on your face. Yep, she, that was a, just really well done, and kudos to you. Yeah. Kudos to you, Olivia. Yeah, if you ever hear this, we applaud you. Yeah, and really, you know, Olivia... And her character, Ashley, just such a great protagonist. Oh, for sure. Like, she just played this so well. And there are, like, a lot of many mood changes. And she had a lot of guts. You know, she was trying to get out. When they, she grabbed the piece of glass and was able to cut the duct tape. Very innovative, trying to escape. She was... MacGyver in that shit. Yeah, she was really great. And she showed a lot of great acting chops. So she was one of the best parts of this movie, for sure. Yeah. The, I mean, and everyone in it was great. I mean, mm -hmm. every I don't have a single complaint about any character. Like, they no. all did fantastic. Um, strong script, strong execution of that script. Yeah. I feel like a lot of this, though, there was a lot of swerves the entire time. Because, again, we go from there's a home invader to, oh, no, it's actually the kids orchestrating this, to Luke being, obviously, we continue to develop how much of a sociopath he really is. And I was really shocked when he ended up killing Garrett. But I think one of the better acting moments, obviously all the acting was really good, but when he freaks out over killing Garrett and yells at Garrett, why did you make me do it? So he's the one that pulled the trigger but put the, all the blame on Garrett. And that is so fucking classic sociopath. But it's just like so that like, you know, like I couldn't have do anything wrong. This wasn't me. You did this. You know, you made me do this. Yeah. You physiologically pulled the trigger. You made me kill you. It's actually, the, you know that meme that people always show where, um, I forget the guy's name in it, where he shoots the guy and he's like, why would blah, blah, blah do this? You know, and he's the one that pulled the trigger. That's mm -hmm. like, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's exactly. And it's, it shows, it shows how far gone he really is that he will kill his best friend over this whole scheme. Very disturbing. That was the moment that made me kind of jump a little bit because I wasn't expecting him to kill Garrett. Everyone else, fair game. I thought he would kill anybody and everyone else except Garrett and probably his parents. I was surprised he killed Ashley or he thought he killed Ashley, like that he attempted to kill Ashley. I wasn't too surprised by that. I was. Of. I felt like he was so obsessed with her that he wasn't going to do it. But a lot of times in those situations, at least from what I was thinking, that he realizes I can't have her, so if I can't have her, nobody can kind of thing, and then shoots them, kills them, and then it becomes real easy to turn it on himself. Yeah. 
No, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I just, when I was watching it, I didn't even think about that. So I was just like, when he goes up to her and he cuts her throat, I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, and then it looks like he's really going to get away with it. Like, he's also had Jeremy, which is the ex-boyfriend, come over and tricks him into writing this apology and to Ashley and then ends up, like, literally getting a noose around his neck and with a tractor, like, hanging him from a tree. So he's hung now, and he goes and he real craftily, like, plants all the evidence to make it look like a murder-suicide. He's supposed to apparently take some pill, I guess, to help him sleep because he sleepwalks. So... But I guess the mom, in case he sleepwalks, leaves a pencil right on the door. So he's trying. he realizes they're almost home. He's trying so hard to get that damn pencil on there. And finally, he literally puts a pencil on there, jumps out another window, almost knocks out the ranger. It's like he's so close to getting caught each time. You're like, yes, this is it, this yeah. is it. But nope, then he gets in bed. And then like he's like, oh, gosh, got to do this, got to do this. And you see him like real quickly finishing the last couple things up. And then he's like asleep, or fake asleep, you know. And then all of a sudden you just hear like the mom and dad come in just fucking screaming. Mm -hmm. And of course, again, looks like a murder suicide thing. And then he wakes up and he's like, what happened? Like poor little innocent me. I couldn't have done anything. I yeah. was asleep. Yeah. And they the pencils on my door. <laughs> and they show uh, Patrick Warburton going like, oh, we get grief counselors, all this stuff. Cause they think he's going to be traumatized by all this. Everyone, all these people are dead. And, you know, he even went so far to put on his little noise machine so he can sleep. And, and he wakes up in his jammies. <laughs> All innocent. I, I wanted so bad for Patrick Warburton to go in there and he'd be like, Dad, is everything you do? It's okay. Nice work, pal. <laughs> but it didn't happen. And I understand why it didn't happen, but it would have been really funny. It's like, it's all right, we're a family. Gotta support the team. Gotta support the team. That's what you should have said about the guy with the paint all over his face. Be like, oh, yeah. gotta support the team. Yep. I put paint on my face too while I go see the devils. It's all right, son. Uh, I'll take you to get some Arby's. Well, it'll be all good. I had the roast beef. <laughs> and you think the little fucker is just about to get away with it. And all of a sudden downstairs you hear someone yell, this one's still alive. And you just see his eyes like, shit. Yep. He's like, oh, fuck. And then you see Ashley kind of like barely moving around. And he looks out. And what does she do? She flips him the fuck off. And he's just like. And they were saying how I guess she put duct tape on her neck, and it's so perfect. Like our quote from the beginning, 1,001 uses for duct tape. Yep, she found one. Yep. So the very thing that was basically trapping her is also the very thing that saved her. Yep, ironic. Yep, so, and then the credits roll, and we're just like, fuck, obviously he's not going to get away with it. And then all of a sudden the credits stop. Yep, and then he goes and says, oh, mom, because the mom's hugging him and stuff, and like trying to console him. He's like, Mom, can we go to the hospital to make sure Ashley's okay? I'm really worried about her. And it's like, oh, fuck. He's going to get his ass taken to the hospital because you know Mom's going to do it because, oh, wonderful little Lukey wants to check on, on his friend mm -hmm. who he tried to fucking brutally murder, but you don't have a clue. I feel so. like by now she should know how crazy manipulative is, though, and like on the way there be like, don't fucking let that kid in my room. That kid's the one that tried to kill me. Like, Unless she goes unconscious. Like, unless she's kind of, like, zonked out of it. And then he sneaks in her room and fucking kills her. Yeah, it's just, like, you hope that after someone looks like they've possibly tried to be murdered, they'd have some, like, surveillance or something on them and maybe prevent that. He sits there and all craftily takes, like, one of those, like, needles and, like, does the air in the... What, like the IV line? Yeah, like it does the air in the IV line. Though apparently I was actually, um, I learned a while back that it's actually not 
like just like you can get like little bubbles and stuff and it won't do anything you'd have to have like the entire like line of it basically be air for it to actually hmm. kill you i didn't even know any of that oh yeah like air in those is actually like if you get enough air in it it actually can kill you i guess it does something to stop your heart huh interesting yeah like this is your blood flow up kind of thing yeah something with that i forget how it works but apparently like People have always heard about, like, the air bubbles, and I knew someone that was a nurse that was, like, you know, we'd sit there and flick the air bubbles away because people would freak out, but really it wouldn't do anything to you. That, no. like, tiny little air bubble's not going to do anything. Gotcha. But well, people would see it, and they'd be like, ah, yeah, that's good. To, that's good to know. But, yeah, it leaves you totally wondering, is this little bastard going to go and get away with this? And I think that's a really great way to end this because yeah. I like it when you have a movie like this that just leaves you kind of on the out of the in the dark. You don't have a clue. Is this bastard going to get away with it or not? I don't know. That's kind of the part of the fun. Yeah. What a fun movie. Yeah, I think that's... I like also that they do so many, like, in a way, nods to themselves. Like, in most of these movies, it's very predictable where, like, there's a point where they're watching a scary movie and they she references them going into the attic and she's like, why do they always go into the attic? That's stupid. And as soon as she said that, I'm like, they're going to end up in the attic. And they did. And they do. And that's where the spider thing happens. But it's like, they do so many little things like that that are like clearly made to be obvious because in a lot of those movies, I think that they try to make it like, Oh look, foreshadowing. Aren't we creative and fun? Whereas this, I feel like they're like, no, let's make it as blatant as fucking possible and then have it be, but you didn't see the rest of this shit coming. You yeah. didn't see this kid turning into a sociopath mm-hmm. based on the beginning of this. And yeah. I, I love that they did that. I think that's one of the biggest plus to this is the fact that they were so crafty with stuff like that. And again, the things with like 1001 uses for duct tape. And that turns out to be the thing that saves her. So it's like so many of little foreshadowing things, but things that are, I don't know how to describe it, like some that are really obvious. And then some that are like really well hidden that later on you're like, oh. I see what you did there. Yeah. It kind of shows that you can think, oh, that's really blatantly obvious. If I was in that situation, why would I ever do that? But when you get into that situation, it's all about panic. And you don't always think too rationally when you're panicked. Yeah. So it's kind of like first thing you can think that can possibly get you out of the bad situation. You do it, even though if it might make it worse, you're not really thinking logically. Yeah, for sure. Another fun fact was that the sets were made with four foot nine inch high door handles, which was representative of an older style Australian house. And the writer director, Chris Peckover, called it a source of distraction and frustration for him because it looked off from what it would be in a typical American house. I didn't notice, honestly. I didn't either. But I wonder if it's because we've watched a lot of both Australian and British things that maybe they're similar and it just doesn't we don't think about that maybe? yeah it, it could have been more distracting in making it as opposed to the viewer watching it like you know yeah. it's there and you know it looks a little off but it's really hard to tell if you're though in unless some, you're incredibly really staring at the door handles though in some ways maybe that's also you could argue that's like an uncanny valley kind of deal even though uncanny values with like human robotic kind of things but in that same sense of like something's just a bit off you know yeah for sure so it could actually have played into it without the viewer even realizing. Like, you may have not mm-hmm. noticed that, but it may have been something that was, again, like something that was like something's wrong here without even knowing what's wrong. Just something, you know? Yep. Another positive about the movie, David Putty survives. Yep. For now. Yeah. You're not going to take David Putty down. I don't know. No way. They could Menendez him. You could try, but good luck. 
I don't I, think that's going to work out well for you. I still think it's funny that there's that baseball card, or no, excuse me, basketball card with the Menendez brothers in it. You can see them in there, and like all the people that are like murderinos want the damn card. I'm sure. And it's so funny. Reminds me of a line from Married with Children when Bud is supposed to be moving to college, but everything falls through, and he's going to live in their basement. And Al's like, nope, you got to get out. He goes, you're right, Dad. You deserve to be Menendez, but you're right. <laughs> so bad so i think that's a good point for us to get ready to get into our ratings but first let's go over our sources sure we uh the usual imdb had a lot of good stuff some trivia wikipedia and the will go usa entertainment youtube channel had some cool stuff too yeah that's where i think we saw the video where the director was talking about the spider situation right which was really interesting yeah all right so i think we're ready to go into our ratings Yeah, so let's start with our overall, which is our skulls, out of five. I'm going to give it, I'm so torn between a four and a five, but I think I'm going to go ahead and bump it up to the five. Yeah? Like, if I was doing a half, I'd do, like, four and a half, I think. Like, it's not necessarily perfect, but it's just, it was so much fun. And I feel like it's one of those things that, like, every year now around, like, Christmas, I'm like, I would happily watch this every year as a good, as a fun Christmas movie. I would watch this in the middle of the summer. Oh, for sure. But it's I so feel, good. <laughs> I feel like it needs to be like a like a new like tradition to watch this each year. How long until it becomes a standard? <laughs> I think it is a standard for us. I will agree. I think it's a five. I had so much fun watching this that, like you said, I want to watch this every single year. And we do have a list of Christmassy movies that we do watch every year. We watch National Lampoon's Vacation we watch Santa Claus Conquers the Marsh. <laughs> we watch the Riff Tracks, uh, or excuse me, the MST3K. Watch of, both of them. Yeah, but the, we do not watch just that. Though. Oh, no. You'd have to be a sadist to do that. Which, if you're, if you're a sadist, no offense, give it a shot. Have you, fun. Not hurting me any. Yep. But there's a lot of movies that we do try to watch every Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas, we watch Halloween and Christmas, because I will argue to the death that it is both. And I think this movie is going to be added to that list for us. It is a great time. And I feel like, yeah, the second viewing won't be as surprising because you know the twist. But the way they get there is so freaking fun. And the dialogue is so good and the script is so great and everything is executed so well. Yeah, I will watch this every year. Yeah. Five out of five. Absolutely. For scariness, what are you thinking? It really depends on your mindset. I think it's kind of subjective for a movie like this. I mean, all scare factor is really subjective. For me personally, I'd say about a two. This didn't scare me. This was more fun. Now, home invasions do freak me the hell out. But this was a very different twist on that. We don't have kids, and I don't have a kid that's going to become a sociopath and try to kill people. I mean, maybe if one of the dogs flips out and kidnaps like the postman or something but <laughs> that's not really realistic no I the don't jericho see... doesn't like the postman jericho doesn't like anyone that's not us this is true my parents he's okay yeah like once jericho gets to know people but he's an australian cattle dog so he's super protective and yeah. like has a lot to say he does but yeah for me i think for scary i'm gonna also go with a two because i feel like i could see how this could be very scary to someone but for me, again, not having kids, not gonna be, I'm not going to be anyone's babysitter. I'm not going to really be in this situation. Again, like you said, 
home invasion stuff freaks me out, but this really wasn't a home invasion in all reality. It was like, I guess the home was already invaded by the kid who lived there in some ways you could argue, but yeah, it didn't freak me out in that regard. I just had fun with it. So again, two, but that's not a detriment to it. No, not at all. Music and sound design. The usage of Christmas carols throughout the movie. There's times when Luke and other characters are singing Christmas carols. There's a lot of times when different various Christmas songs are playing in the background. The placement of it was really well done. It feels like kind of an homage to Home Alone in some ways because there is a similarity to that. And I think the sound design really added to this movie. It benefited it really well especially the carolers. That was mm-hmm. such a great scene. Yeah, for sure. For me, I'd say it's a four out of five. I've been kind of torn with it because I think everything went well, obviously, with it, but I'm thinking we'll still give it a three because nothing really stood out as, like, super unique. It was very well done. And it, like I said, very well, good placement, but I think we're going to give it a three rather than the four. I'd say that's fair. And then for effects? I'd say the effects are about a four for me. Because they had a lot of different really well-done effects. The way they shot the spider was great. The When they showed it, the way, like, the propped-up paintball gun that made it look like Garrett got shot by an invader when he really didn't. A lot of the tricks and stuff that Luke pulled were really good effects. The paint can effect was great. Everything went off without a hitch. Every effect was very poignant, very well done. Everything had consequence. Like when the first boyfriend, when he stabbed him with the pencil and it put a hole in his cheek and he made him smoke the joint and the smoke was coming out of the cheek hole. I thought that was really gross, but really cool and really unique and well done. Mm -hmm. They did a great job with effects. It's a four out of five for me. Not perfection, but it's well above average for me and it was really great. Yeah. For me, when it's like effects for a five have to be something that's just like mind blowing, like kind of like the original Jurassic Park or the Alien movies. Or Jaws or something. Yeah. Well, Jaws, even though the effects aren't that great because. That shark's a badass, even though it barely worked. Yeah. No, Bruce didn't work very much. But but that's the thing is like, I don't think that shark looks very realistic in those things. So I wouldn't give that necessarily the five. Doesn't take away from the story. The story's fucking phenomenal. But for things like Jurassic Park and for alien where it's like almost all practical effects and really freaky and crazily well done those are gonna like hit the the high note the five for me for me i'm gonna give it a keep going between a three and a four i'm gonna bump it up to the four because like you said the makeup was good for like the for the uh, pencil through the cheek the paint can scene you know where you see the blood running down mixing with the paints really well done so I said, I think a four is fair. Like I said, a toy between a three and a four, but I'm going to go with a four. I think it was also a really well shot movie. Yeah, definitely. Like the decisions with the camera angles and everything really added to it too. Oh, and one thing we didn't even mention, I was just thinking about with the uh, for regards to effects with the spider is that it turns out that spider is like his pet spider because later you see him catch it mm-hmm. and put yeah. it in a cage and you're like, God damn it, kid. Smart little bastard. Yeah. Uh, for gore. Not a lot of gore, Uh -uh. so I'd say gore level, I will give it a two, because there is some blood. Even the pancan scene where they don't show the splattering face, there's still blood running down. It can look a little gooey. There's definitely some bloody moments. Nothing overt, nothing more than you would see in your typical action movie or thriller or something, so it's not uber gory. 
but you know some kind of one or two kind of gross things happen. But I'd say a two is fair. Yeah, I was thinking a two as well because I feel like it's not gory, but a lot of it's left up to your imagination, which, you know, again, pencil in the face seems kind of gross. When that happened, I remember even audibly being like, ah, like that had, and he like pulls the pencil out, and then mm-hmm. you see him like sharpening the pencil to get rid of all like that the. Was really smart. I know. It was like, I, I'm watching this though thinking, I'm like, God damn it. I was like, these people that are like the, pol- the police that are here, they're going to start looking through this stuff and figuring this shit out, you know? Like, they're going to figure out, like, like well, why would this be, like, in the pencil sharpener? Why would this? Like, you know, like, someone's just doing, like, a home invasion, like, kill someone and then kill themselves. Then why would they bother, you know, shaving the pencil down and stuff? And I know he puts, like, another one there as, like, a plant. Mm-hmm. But you think when they, like, in a murder scene like that, they're going to comb the fucking house. But who's even going to think to look in the friggin' pencil sharpener unless they can find a way to prove, like, that the stab wound was caused by, like, there's some sort of graphite or something in there from the pencil. Well, he does something. Remember, he puts something. I forget what it is. I think he puts a pencil there, like, to make it, like, as if it, like, fell out of his face or something like that. I don't know. I just, I, I've watched probably too many, like, CSI criminal minds bullshit that I'm just like, no, they're going to figure it out. Like, too much SVU. Yeah. But, yeah, so I think that's it. I think it's going to be a shorter episode because I'm tired of this book. Yeah, overall, it's a great flick. Check it yeah. out. It It's a fun movie, probably not for the whole family. <laughs> you can certainly, if you have like a 12-year-old, 12, 14-year-old 12, kid and you want to test and see if they're a sociopath or not, see if they're really smirking and agreeing to what's going on here, maybe you have a problem. Yeah, well, there's a part where she even like yells at him and she's like, you need a lot of therapy. I'm like, yeah, a lot of therapy that might not be fixable. I think he needs a padded cell mm-hmm. is what this kid needs because this kid is a danger to anybody he comes into contact with. Yeah, for sure. And that's the scariest part of the movie, I think. Oh, yeah, that's I, always been the scariest part of something like that is you never know, like, it's like, do you ever really know someone, you mm-hmm. know? You can know someone for 30 years and they end up this master manipulator. Yeah, like the fucking Golden State Killer. How long did he get away with that bullshit for? Oh, my God, insane. Could you imagine being his family, being like, I'm sorry, what? Like, sweet, oh, that, sweet, innocent, loving dad was a, like a rapist murderer? That shattered that family. And you really feel bad for the family. Yeah. Because they are victims, too. Oh, absolutely. In all these cases, 99% of the time, the family is victims, too. If they, they didn't know what was going on, then they're victims. For sure. But I think that's a good spot to wrap it up, so... I guess this has been We All Pod down here. I'm Brittany. And I'm Dan. Get your Yule log together and watch this flick. Bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our logo was designed by Emmanuel Arroyo. Our website is weallpoddownhere.com. Email us at weallpoddownhere at gmail.com. And you can follow our shenanigans at we all pod on twitter and at we all pod down here on instagram and facebook and feel free to suggest a movie you want us to review or if you just want to suggest something to make me really uncomfortable be afraid be very afraid